Hmm. Welcome, one and all, to Ladies with Gumption, episode 132, Principle of Entanglement. We are the Ladies with Gumption. We recap DCTV in a flash. And I am Tatiana, here with... Jessica. And May. You can find us at ladieswgumption.tumblr.com, on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Or you can pay us the monies and find us on Patreon <laughs> for 24 hours earlier than everyone else. And also with special episodes like Stargirl, Doom Patrol, and more. I think we're still the forever incoming Ron Weasley episode that one day will occur. Um, <laughs> and in 2021, you get 50% off this new year. Um, so it'll just be $5 uh, to listen to us. Talk about anything and everything, like Mandalorian or The Boys. Upload, which is coming back. Yay, upload! Etc, etc. Patreon.com slash DCTVGumption. <laughs> First up, Bridgerton! Because we did an episode on Bridgerton, we are talking about it, <laughs> as cast Kate, not Sheffield, but now Sharma, for season two. Yay! We love that. Thoughts, feelings, questions, concerns? I'm, I'm so very happy excited as a dark-skinned Daisy girl. I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's nice. I yeah. suddenly care about Anthony yeah. Bridgerton's sex life. <laughs> he <laughs> exactly. does not deserve, but I do. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm like, I can't wait for him to get laid. Oh my god, yay! <laughs> Before that, I was not looking forward to season two at all because I, the way that they wrote Anthony in the show was horrible. But now I'm here for it, just for her. Yeah, um, for those who have sex education, she's in it and she's great. Yes, so yeah, yay! Um, so yeah, so I'm excited. Um, and then in other news, uh, Candace Patton was on E! News Ones to Watch, and we learned that she used to work for E! I did not yeah, know this I at know all. That was wild. I love that. Yeah. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so that was super cute. Um, and she talked about, you know, fighting the good fight, and she even shouted out, you know, her IWDS. She's not by name, but she did say, like, her fan base was really what helped her um, in the early days when she couldn't speak up for herself. They spoke up for her. I love that. Yeah, it's I like, you, you, like when you join fandom, you're supposed to be like for fun, but and you know you kind of feel like not to take credit, but you, you, we have to like pat ourselves on the back just because you know we actually like look at it like what we were able to do was really really incredible, and obviously for Candace to help protect her space at a time when she didn't really feel protected, so. Absolutely, always pat IWDS people on the back <laughs> every chance we get. <laughs> Definitely, because like she mentioned the fans specifically, not like any of the cast because they suck. So I think the fans do deserve the credit. So and you know, like, there you OG, go. like OG IWDS had some shooters, man. Like you, you could not get into Anis's like personal space, Instagram, Twitter, speak out the side of your neck and then leave unharassed. Like we were on <laughs> your ass. <laughs> Journalists like tried to like snitch on us to Candace and all this other shit. She was like, I know, and I approve. <laughs> it was good times. Yeah, so it's kind of funny because, like, the fandom was so stressful because it felt like a job. Because, like, mm-hmm. we, like yeah. we knew what would happen if we didn't, like, you know? And even, like, you know, Katie Cassidy wasn't even a black woman, and it still happened to her we with Laurel. So, yeah, exactly. We were like, we have to make sure this doesn't happen again. And it also set a precedent for other black women in other fandoms. So I think it's, I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. Um, good job, everyone. Yay! Okay. <laughs> anyway, Candy Candace is the best. And she's always so, you know, humble and also uh now she's able to speak out about 
her experiences and, and actually, you know, um, give more detail on it, which is great. But on the other side of DC world, I don't even know what we're calling <laughs> DCU, whatever, whatever. Sasha Kaye has been cast as Supergirl in the Flash movie. I didn't even know they're cast as Supergirl. I know. <laughs> I, exactly. This was, That's news I was like, to me. I was like, wait, what? This is a surprise awful. for everybody. Because I'm like, yay, she's Latina and she's super, super cute. Like the video where Andy Muschietti was like. That was so yeah, cute. Was like, so I legit yeah. got teary. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm so happy and for her. And they're like <laughs> half in, in Spanish and half in English. And yeah. Like, oh, like, yeah. It was, it was really, really super cute. Adorable. But I'm also like, why is Supergirl in the Flash movie? What's the yeah. Flash movie? Everyone's in the Flash movie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You get a role. You get a role. Except you, <laughs> Cyborg. Not you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wrote, because I was just being shady. So when I published the news, you know, on Illuminati, I, in the little, like, headline title thing, not the headline, but, you know, the, the thing that shows up when you click the link, right? It's not the actual title. It's like the, the whatever you call that. It's not the byline either. I don't even know what you call it. You know what I'm talking about, May, right? The thing in the SEO that's not, it's not actually show up on the page. Oh, but yeah, it's like, like, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I put like in confusing flash movie. And some people were like, what's confusing about it? And I was like, what's not confusing about it? Or, Do you understand we anything? Did, we didn't know this, this movie existed until like a month ago. They said that filming will actually begin. And we're like, okay, this is actually happening after seven years. <laughs> Right, it's it's been inter- it literally was announced before it the was flash a myth. show started. It was more of a myth <laughs> than Justice than Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, um, I do. I'm very happy for her. I can't wait to see her take on Supergirl. I think it's awesome that Supergirl's going to be in the movies. Period. I think it's weird that she'll be in the Flash movie. That's fine. Whatever. <laughs> but speaking of um, girls in the DC world, uh, <laughs> John Wesley Shipp. We'll be reprising the role of <laughs> Jay Garrick the Flash. in Stargirl. No, Supergirl. Stargirl. Supergirl Stargirl. Okay, come on. <laughs> Flash movie. Oh, I guess I should have said the Flash. You're right. Speaking of another Flash, <laughs> John Wesley Shipp will be another Flash in Stargirl, which will officially, you know, not that we didn't know this already, but Stargirl is officially part of the Arrowverse. Um, and John Wesley Shipp gets to be Flash again. So I'm. this is like a win-win for everyone. I think it's great. Thoughts? Yes. Yeah, I learned today that the Flash and Stargirl, like, she was supposed to cam- like make a do a crossover with the actual show itself. Really? During oh. season one, but apparently plans for that were scrapped. So I guess this is like a different Flash crossover. <laughs> so there you go. Okay. I was going to say, like, Jay Garrick makes sense since he was in Just Society of America. So JSA, JSA, Flash. I can dig it. I could dig it as well. Um, China McLean had a Teen Vogue interview and she sort of talked about how Cameron was one of the reasons, the motivating factors for her to decide to move on from, from Black Lightning. She wants to focus more on, you know, focus her energies on like what she really loves and what she's passionate about. Yeah. Um, and also I think she kind of like made it more clear that it's nothing to do with the cast or anything, you know, like it's just her. Cause I think people were a little bit like iffy on, when she posted that video on Instagram, mm. it sounded like, so what happened? Something, something Who bad did happened? something to you? Exactly. But <laughs> Who hurt like, you? No, no it's yeah. just me. It's just me. So, you know. Would you like, do you, did anyone else have any thoughts on, on China? I was just going to say that um, when I read the interview and she's talking about like her hair journey and why she felt the need to cut it off. And she's talking about how she had cut it off for a full year before she had really told the public about it and San Diego Comic-Con the last time we had San Diego Comic-Con was the first time that she had like premiered her new look to the world and it was really good because I was, I was at that 
Kenny at Comic-Con in like the press rooms. And I was like, I remember that was like the first thing. And I think she was, we were the first table that she sat down at. And the first thing I was like, oh my God, look at you. Like baby. Christine. <laughs> that, I thought he like, cause Christine Adams has like short yeah. shape cut. And so I was like, oh, look, there's Aww. baby Christine. Like you look so cute. <laughs> I love your hair. So um, that was kind of nice for me to see like on, you know, the other side of hearing, you know, that was like her first appearance. And right. hopefully like <laughs> the first comedy is like, I love your hair was like a really <laughs> Nice reaffirming things. So that was really. Yeah, nice. I'm really glad that she's getting to like wear her hair like that yes, on the show yeah. now. So that's. Asked, really cool. I think I asked her like, "Are you gonna wear this? Is this gonna be Jennifer on the show?" <laughs> <laughs> and finally got there. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I like the interview in terms of like the fact that she seems, you know, like for a while she didn't seem very okay. Obviously, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, and happy, and you can really tell like she's been reevaluating everything right. and things like that, and I. I'm really happy for her that she's kind of reached a place where she's confident enough to like move on and certain things behind that she might have not wanted to beforehand. So like good on her for like figuring things out for herself, you know? Yeah. Cause I think she's, she was saying like, you know, before it was like work, work, work. And you don't really realize how tired you are until something happens. In this case, it was the passing of, of Cameron for her to kind of like reevaluate what in life is going to make her happy and how is she, how can she um, be all that God wants her to be and intends for her to be. So it was, a, it was a really nice interview. If you want to go, if you haven't read it and want to go check it out, Teen Vogue. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we have some news from the in HBO Max side of things, the DC, more DC. We're just flipping around. It's fine. Everything somehow to get to DC. <laughs> for um, so, um, Marwan Kenzari is going to be, he has a role in Black, in Black Adam. It is the villain role. Surprise, by the way. Yes. He's going to be play the villain. He's going to play the villain. Was it confirmed yes. or was it just like heavily insinuated by It Rock? was, no, like it was, it was, it was very much he will play villain role. It was confirmed and, by the rap. They had sources yeah. that say that. Yeah. Somebody said. And for the record, the Illuminati said that many moons ago. We said that back in October. Um, so... <laughs> But now they confirmed what we already told you previously. So yes, time to put the respect on your name. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yay for Marwin. Um, I'm excited because I mean, although you know, of course, it'd be nice to see him not be the villain, but that's fine. Um, I mean, I'm sort of like I, I agree with um, Hannah Flint on Twitter, who's a who's a fellow critic, and she was like, you know, he should have played Black Adam, but whatever. Right, if he's right. villain, I won't have words because he's like Arab, and you're like, and The Rock is like, well, I'm sorry, you're probably gonna be disappointed because he's probably in the villain. And I'm like, damn it, I, think, I like um, <laughs> Suarez's uh, take on it, like, like you know, because I think I don't know if the announcement came out and then afterwards we found out that he's been playing the villain role but I, I know like Suara and maybe some other people thought he's going to be like Dr. Fate which would have been really, really yeah, cool. that, that would have been cool, cool yeah yeah but no it, yeah at first it was announced that he was gonna be in it and people were guessing like they were like it's an unknown role and then the rap came out and said he's the villain um I can't remember the villain's name but that's fine he's the villain but you know then again Black Adam's kind of iffy as on right. his own to begin with so it's fine maybe he'll be like you know a hero in his own right <laughs> um Aside from that, we have the um, Constantine series on HBO Max, um, the new, I think it's, yeah, new live action, um, and they're recasting Constantine for it. I was maybe kind of thinking they were going to go stick with Matt Ryan, but they're not. They're recasting Constantine, and they're looking for a Riz Ahmed 
uh, style uh, dude. So have they <laughs> basically approached Riz Ahmed and he's rejected them. So he, they're like, we want a, a U type. So Probably. let's find another brown guy. Or maybe <laughs> he's like too much. Like maybe he has too many dollar signs around his name. Yeah, like, exactly. we want Riz Ahmed light. <laughs> like Doc, exactly. like. I was gonna say Dr. Pepper. Yeah. <laughs> Diet Ruth. Yeah, because it's like that's like when um, when She Hulk came out and they wanted an Allison Brie type, and then they got Tatiana Maslany, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, and now for what's the other one? Ugh, the, the next Transformers movie, they want a Tessa Thompson type. type. So it's like okay, so you're just like okay, okay, I see, I see, which is like a really interesting way of casting. Like be like, do you think you're the next Tessa Thompson? Come on down. I will say it's nice that they're looking for a BIPOC person, you know, to right. play Constantine versus right. like, not, I love Matt Ryan, but you know, if he's not going to come back for this show, they might as well change right. it up. They might as well do it. Exactly. Like if you're not going to have him, like, cause obviously, I mean, I do with people that are like disappointed. I'm like, yeah, of course we've been watching him play Constantine in various iterations for mm-hmm. years. So of course people would be like, wait, why is it not him again? If it's not going to be him, then you may as well diversify. So I support this. Okay. Um, I don't know if you can hear my dog singing in the background. Yeah. But... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my dog is intermittently playing with toys that squeak, so. <laughs> um, then we have, uh, finally, back back around full circle, Black Lightning's painkiller does seem to be moving forward. Um, they've been casting the cast. <laughs> they've been filling out the cast. <laughs> um, I cannot pronounce his name. Siblongil Lombo? I'm sorry, I don't know your name. You were very pretty, though. She is gorgeous. Um, <laughs> Alexander Hodge and James, another name I don't know. Roach? Rock? Roche, maybe? Roche, Roche maybe. Yeah. yeah. I don't know these people's names. They are all very beautiful people. I cannot wait to find out how they are related to Painkiller. Um, one, I think... Um, one of them was his cousin, James right? His, yeah, it's either his cousin or his uncle. Um, could I ha- wait, I'll pull up the thing. Um, Lombo... Is set to star as Maya, who is described as strikingly attractive woman, obviously. Well, that's correct. Yes, <laughs> they did not lie. <laughs> is icy and mysterious, so whatever that means. She is a natural leader who immediately gives the impression that she is someone who expects results and is not to be messed around with. Um, Alexander Hodge, who plays um, in Insecure, he is, um, what's her name's ex-boyfriend now? Um, Molly, her ex. Okay. He is... Um, stepping into the role of Filky, a ruggedly handsome with long raven hair, ink art on his body, and born from a strong Chinese lineage. So I guess that's in the character description. So I guess they're looking for someone who's definitely Chinese. And I think <laughs> Alex, his mom is Chinese. He's half. He's biracial. Oh, okay. Um, character has a rough has had a rough history. Was once homeless, alcoholic from Gotham. But now works as an inconspicuous bartender and exceptionally gifted tech whiz helping Khalil. And then Roche have is, a tech whiz. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you gotta have a tech whiz. Okay. <laughs> and then rounding out the trip is um rounding out the trip. What kind of writing is that? Yeah, right. Um Roche is Oh, is uh, the trip like T R Y P? No, T R I P. Then never mind. I, I guess was like, oh, going, on a, going on a trip somewhere. Um <laughs> But he is Cousin Donald, who is a larger-than-life gentle giant who wears a distinct uniform, head-to-toe leather with matching boots, a juxtaposition of his military past. He was a medic in the Marines and knows medicine. So now you got a doctor. you got text whiz, you got a doctor, and a love interest. What, what more there do you need? There you go. Full cast, <laughs> right? People. Um, and he, but he also has the ability of talking 
perspectives to others. Um, there's a duality to Cousin Donald, which is why he understands Khalil better than others. So those are the well, three. It's nice to know he's roles. got some family left. Yeah. Right? Right. That's good. <laughs> right. Because before we would not have guessed that. Yeah. Um, and I'll have things to say about this when we get to the Black Lightning section. The, but... backstory, the backstory pilot is supposed to be in episode seven, mm-hmm. which I kind of feel like is just going to be completely right. painkiller and no Black I'm Lightning. I'm sure that that's the case. Yeah. 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 For sure. All right. So uh, with that out of the way, we are now going to pass it over to oh. May. Nope. And I'm gonna, we're going to keep re- reminding people that you heard it here first about Brian Cranston. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> we're going to find out until it's confirmed. <laughs> My latest assumption broke the story on Brian Cranston. <laughs> broke it wide open. <laughs> now we right. Now we've got the We should, we should tweet that. Be like, breaking. Brian Cranston cast. <laughs> the black cast. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, we know. Like, Ladies who are your sources? Be like Rachel Scarston, damn it! <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so May is going to take us through Batwoman and Black Lightning. We're going to talk about the joy, the lack of joy, the feedback, and our Lady with Gumption of the Week. Yes. So side A is Batwoman, Ghost Kids, as Batwoman attempts to fight the pro. Proliferation of snake bite through Gotham, a random encounter forces her to revisit her painful past. Empowered by her new role, Ryan Wilder is determined to ensure others like her don't go unnoticed. Meanwhile, those closest to Kate are given a good reason to believe she is still alive, forcing unexpected alliances and betrayals. Also starring so so forth and so on. You know you know who's in this cast. <laughs> what spark joy? I mean, it's it's another strong story episode, and this time it's focusing on like child trafficking and how young poor children and and often children of color are victimized not only by the traffickers but also by like a system that doesn't really care about them or doesn't really notice them. You know, there's like a lot of I can I can name you know John Benet Ramsey or the McKenzie Madeline McKenzie or somebody like little girls, little white girls that have gone missing and their stories are like blown up in the news. Um, but there's so many other kids that go missing, um, little black girls or little other children of color that you just like never hear about. So it's like really nice to see um, the show shine a spotlight on that and use um, their new Batwoman to be a champion for those kids as well. So that was really that was really cool. Candy Lady is <laughs> scary as shit. Um, it brought like a new meaning to Stranger Danger. Um because, like, in many ways, she's more scary than, you know, some, like, meta villain or whatever. Because she could literally be your next-door neighbor, someone that you uh, worked with, like, co-worker, people that you have no idea what they're like behind closed doors. This is that lady. Um, so it was really creepy to have her as the villain because you could just easily imagine it happening in real life. And it often does happen in real life. Um and it's it's kind of interesting. Like there are so many different like contrasts in this episode. You have the stark contrast of Jacob Kane on TV throwing around a million dollar reward and monopolizing not only the crows but also the GCPD, who apparently <laughs> kowtows to the crows for some reason, um, to find like a thirty something white woman who until recently had been like masquerading as a vigilante behind his back <laughs> on one side, and then on the other side you have an eight year old. 
black child who had to fake a bank robbery to get Batwoman's attention because his brother's been missing for like two months and the police haven't done shit about it. So um, <laughs> just the contrast in that in present time um, was was really striking. And then you also have um, the flashback story of Ryan um, <laughs> being kidnapped as a child and having that in her past. And um, I was really taken by the title of the episode because the title is called Fair Skin, Blue Eyes. And I was like, that's a weird title. <laughs> but then we saw <laughs> that the candy lady was a villain. I was like, okay, maybe it was like referring to the candy lady and how she's like the perfect right. villain because no one would suspect her. She's a friendly white woman, suburban mom. But then it's like revealed to be in reference to Beth. And now I'm like, oh, damn. Because like, I was so mad because when like, the volunteers knocked on the door, I was like Ryan and I got like my hopes up that Angelique or somebody <laughs> probably the troops and they were doing like a neighborhood door to door to find Ryan. And then when they said the description of the girl and they were looking for had fair skin, blue eyes, it was like a shot of cold water to your system. Cause like, Oh, they're looking for Beth. This would have been around the time that Beth disappeared. And so again, it's like, this is twice now that Alice slash Beth has like fucked up. <laughs> life. <laughs> um, so I mean, like that in itself was, you know, their paths keep kind of um, crossing each other unknowingly at these weird points. You know, you had like Alice's gang members squatting in what was supposed to be Ryan and her mom's apartment and wind up killing her mom. You have this instance where, you know, Ryan thinks she's going to be safe, but they're actually looking for Beth. Um, and then also, like, both of their exes showed up in the same episodes. I don't know if that's, like, intentional or what it is, but it's something. Um, and it's, you know, who, who knows where all of those little, you know, intersections will, will lead to. Um, in other parts of the episode, I love, continue to love Mary and Ryan's relationship. I am so happy that Mary asked Ryan to move in with her because I feel like that should have happened already. Like, clearly Ryan doesn't have a place to stay, so... I feel like if, if Mary wasn't already in Kate's place and that, you know, Ryan should have eventually moved in there. So I'm glad, that, but I'm glad they're living in there together. And I, I feel really happy for Mary on the one hand, because she has finally like the sister relationship that I feel like she had always wanted with Kate. And there's just, like some kind of barrier there that she can have that. But now she has this um, camaraderie with Ryan. She's like, I'm still at your clothes. It's going to be so much fun. Um, so that's and, and um, Ryan, I think, is someone that needs Mary. And I don't think Mary's had someone that needs her because Kate didn't really need her. She wanted her. You know, I think I'm not like dissing Kate and Mary's relationship um, a lot. <laughs> but Kate already had Beth before Mary came along. And Kate was someone that could kind of take care of herself. And I feel like Mary is always chasing Kate. Um, but in this situation, Mary really doesn't have to chase Ryan because Ryan kind of needs Mary as well. So there, there's kind of like a um, a need that's being fulfilled there that um, is really, I like for Mary. Jacob and his little C-plot where he belongs. <laughs> but I really love that in the climax of the episode, it again intersected with like all these plots are just intertwined really well together and um you know ryan as that woman got to be the hero and he didn't like interject or try to like 
fuck up his own rescue because he's so mad at Batwoman. Like, she was like, let me handle it. Like, hold on for a minute. And then he actually, like, stopped and let her talk to Kevin, I think his name is, the little boy. And that is growth. growth. (laughs) That is growth right there. So I'm like, maybe we are not, because last week I thought we were just, like, so far from the kind of mentor-mentee relationship that I'd hoped we were getting with Jacob. And now it feels like we have taken one or two steps closer to eventually getting to that. So the right. Lord knows like, Jacob. yeah, cause Luke is not pulling his weight at all at the moment. So <laughs> we need somebody else in there and that on team Ryan. So that was cool. Ship. He's like, I'm going to leave the back cave. For right. I'm like, where are you going, <laughs> sir? <laughs> Rude. Okay. We'll talk about you later. Okay. Go ahead. Tyler. But yes. <laughs> okay. Um, I totally agree about um, Mary and uh, Ryan. I'm really loving that dynamic. I love that Mary asked her to move in and that they seem like they're going to have like a really fun time together. You just, they really just get along and they seem to get each other on a level that other people don't get them. So I look forward to seeing that uh, friendship, you know, blossom further or that sisterhood, right? Um, and speaking of Mary, I really appreciated that she allowed herself or that the story let her have some hope at the end or even not hope but like choosing to resolve or to conclude the Kate chapter for herself right instead of just pushing it off and being like well I don't believe you know I'm not going to believe and therefore I'm just going to sit here um she was like I'm never going to really be over it if I don't at least search right and then find the answer even if she still doesn't believe that Kate is alive and Kate is probably not alive um, <laughs> at least she'll know that she did what she could. And I, I thought it was nice that they tied, it tied back to the whole thing, you know, missing girls or missing kids in general. Um, also, I think it's a good arc for her because it's so unexpected because, uh, Mary's always been the optimistic person. Like we'd be expecting, I would think going into the season that Mary would be the one that doesn't give up hope and that believes that she's out there and is searching. And instead she's the one that was the first to be like, okay, well it's over now. <laughs> Closing up top so um so yeah i think it's really interesting um and then of course i don't like alice like poking the sophie wound of like oh well you didn't care about kate or you didn't give up anything for kate or like whatever nonsense but i do like that sophie turned the tables on alice when they were um you know when she was like reluctant to work with her not because she doesn't you know she's not willing to go the extra mile to save kate but because she doesn't trust alice's motivations and she's right because alice is the psycho right not to do that exactly (laughs) So I thought that was great. I even like, you know, Sophie going to Jacob and be like, we have to find Kate before before Alice does. Um, because again, it's kind of like Alice is just roaming free, doing nonsense, and the dad, her dad doesn't do anything about it. <laughs> so, so if he's going to try to, you know, get all hard-ass on someone, it may as well be Alice. Um, and that way, maybe he will have a purpose in life again, because right now, he is just aimlessly <laughs> floating. I feel like he can never, he always has to choose between one, focusing on one daughter or the other. He can't <laughs> right. ever do both. <laughs> true. He can't true. take down Alice and try to find Kate. He has to try to find Kate and maybe take down Alice. <laughs> um, and I didn't think about the fact that both of their exes were introduced in this episode. Um, mm-hmm. Jessica, that's a really good point. But Ocean is sexy. So I mm-hmm. saw him and I was like, hello. So mm-hmm. I'm looking you know, forward to seeing more of that. Um, <laughs> man. And I know people are like kind of like disappointed that... <laughs> Batwoman is forced in like a heterosexual agenda on Alice, but and so am I. I mean, it's not <laughs> okay. it's still sexy. It's not. It's not like it's sudden because she had a boyfriend in season yeah. one, right? And then Beth was attracted to Luke, so yeah, we knew. You know. We knew. 
but but still, but like you know, at least at least he's eye candy because the yeah. like, last season she has a great taste. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, I did just like you. I love the fair skin, blue eyes title drop moment. I thought it was heartbreaking and also tragically realistic. Um, I think that the show is doing a really great job of incorporating Ryan's backstory and circumstances to draw organic storylines from and to make to, to to give us a new perspective on heroism and on who the city has left behind, on who heroes have left behind, on who the police force and the crows have left behind. And like you already pointed out, it's so great um, to see that contrast. Not horrible to see that contrast, but it's great in terms of storytelling and narrative that Jacob will pull out all the stops for his daughter. Um, and everyone's just like, yeah, cool, of course, let's go local for Kate, $1 million. Um, and then it took two months. It took an alarm, you know, going off and it took Batwoman herself to come out and be like, okay, I'm going to find this child um, who's been missing for, for long, as long as longer than Kate and is an active danger. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so that was really well done. Um, also, I loved that we got to see her reaching out to Kevin and using her own experiences to make him feel seen, right? Using her fear of, invisib- of being invisible to make him feel seen and that Jacob witnessed that he sees how this that one works. He has more respect for her. And like you said, he then, you know, lets her do her job and is like, hey, you know, maybe that one is not the absolute worst. I should think about this. Maybe she knows how to do her job. Um, yeah, I love when you said, you know, like he was like, how did you find him? I looked because that's yes. <laughs> the first step, you know, <laughs> you have to care. You have to actually try and um, and help everyone in the society. Um, also, it was great. They tied it back to the original search for Beth, the fact that the title drop was literally Beth. And then that also tied back to, you know, like Mary had all the stuff um, that Kate had saved because Mary hasn't let go of Kate, just like Kate hadn't let go of Beth. So mm-hmm. everything was all one big, beautiful storyline. <laughs> um, good job, guys. Also, um, I thought that this was a really good introduction to Angelique, like in the flesh, because previously, We've only heard about her in a negative or, like, highly ambiguous light. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're actually meeting her. We see that she and Ryan are, like, ride or die for each other or were ride or die for each other. So it's interesting, like, oh, what happened? What changed that? Um, and also, I just feel, it just based on this episode, I would just assume that that is Ryan's ship. Because um, they had, like, I, they, I mean, I think it is. But I think they also, it also was, like, hinting that it's super toxic. <laughs> right. Of course. Of course. Um, but, you know, it is, I don't know that there's... Well, I guess there aren't really ships on Batwoman, but none of them have, none of the like 2.5 ships on Batwoman so far (laughs) have been healthy, so we'll see. Um, But yeah, um, I thought they had nice chemistry. I'm looking forward to seeing how they're going to, you know, unravel that storyline and whether it goes somewhere, you know, not toxic or if it is. Oh, I think it's going to crash and burn for sure. (laughs) Replaced by a, but like, because we have to get to the part where the toxic lesbian ship is replaced by a beautiful one. The healthy that blossoms. one, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, well, it hasn't happened yet on that woman. It didn't because Kate died. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it could have happened with Kate and Sophie, but it did not because she's gone now. So we need we need that to happen for, for Ryan. All right. All excellent likes. <laughs> um, I feel like I have nothing to say after that, but I will say that, you know, this episode sort of reminded me of our... Um, earlier podcast you know months ago about how the Arrowverse does political storylines or just handles you know real life in general and Batwoman wasn't on our list <laughs> before <laughs> but it's definitely on the list now because I think that this season has done so well with handling 
like you said, Ryan's backstory and working it into the inner workings of Gotham and, you know, the comparisons to our, our the real life society. And in this case, it was like Ryan's story was linked to um, the little kid who was kidnapped and kind of like seeing the flashbacks, like a really good use of flashbacks and showing the terror because Candy Lady was fucking terrifying. She was a psycho. Um, Jelly right. beans. That yeah, was like oh some psychological God. shit. Like, oh yeah, yeah. it's like a 60 ba- day back guarantee. <laughs> if someone comes for you in 60 <laughs> days, like so you she's coming and taking like one jelly bean at a time and that looks yeah. like a lot it's like 60 jelly beans looks like i have plenty of time then you just like it gets smaller and smaller that was it's just horrible it's diabolical yeah and, and just like you said you know she could be a neighbor you know you realize people you're like oh this person seems nice and then they say something super like racist or they they show you who they are and you're like oh shit <laughs> i thought we could be friends but that is not the case mm-hmm. um and she is one of those ladies she's definitely a karen um <laughs> oh uh- but But that was like just just watching young ryan like you knew that she was gonna be okay because we know her now as an adult but the fact that she had to go through that as a child and how like that messed with her psychologically but also sort of knowing like angelique kind of came for her at the end and was her effectively her ride or die because no one else was going to come for her and that's just really like it was just really tragic and i think that they did the storyline really really well in showcasing how no one pays attention um, and then I think yeah. also it kind of like previews how much Brian cares about Angelique to the point mm-hmm. that if Angelique does something shady again in the future, which I'm sure that she will, it'll be hard for Ryan to break that trust mm-hmm. because Angelique was the one that was there when she had literally nobody. Yeah. I feel like Angelique will be like the Alice to Kate. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I that, feel like there was a really good setup dynamic. for that in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so all of that was really, really great. Um, and just, like, having, like you said about Mary and um, Ryan, I really loved, like, I, I squealed with glee when she's like, let's be roommates. I was like, yes, this is what <laughs> should be happening on this show. Amazing. Um, because it, it makes total sense. Her apartment is over the bar. Ryan works at the bar. Mary mm-hmm. manages the bar. Like, mm-hmm. it all comes together beautifully in this scene. And I think that they're just forging a really nice relationship because it, right now it seems like everyone is sort of so focused on finding Kate. Kate's alive. Oh, my God, we have to put in all our resources to find her. But Mary's like, sure, yes, Kate might be alive. I still want to hope. But, you know, here's Ryan and she's trying to help the city. And I really, really want to help her. And I feel like I could be a good use as a friend, as someone who can, like, throw money at things <laughs> to help her. <laughs> we all need a friend that can throw money at things. <laughs> I would certainly like that. I would love that friend. <laughs> Mary should be my friend. <laughs> um, so I feel like she, they both sort of fulfill a lot of different things to each other to make it sort of like a well-rounded, balanced relationship. And I really like how that's developing very naturally um, over the course of like several episodes and especially in this one. Now we're kind of like getting somewhere, you know, before it was just a dent. <laughs> Um, and like, I'm really happy for Mary because like, she deserves this. Ryan deserves to have someone who's going to have her back always because, you know, right now we just, we were just introduced to Angelique and you're like, um, it's a little bit iffy there. (laughs) We don't really know what's going to happen, but we always know that like Mary's going to be there as a person. Um, so that's really great. And to have that established relationship, um, I, most of Alice's stuff will be later on, but I like the fact that she's at least getting something that's going to be outside of just looking for Kate, even though this whole episode was mm-hmm. spent 
that but like introducing ocean showing us that like she doesn't really remember him and then kind of flashing back to her time on uh koreana so that whole like just that introduction to that storyline was was done well like oh a mystery um so it's nice for alice for once to have her be in a situation where she is not really in control of things um and i like to see like where that goes in in terms of her journey what did not spark joy I mean, I get it. I get why we have to do it. But the disappearance of Kate Kane is starting to feel like a very oppressive rain cloud over the season that is keeping like Ryan's show from fully being able to fire on all cylinders. Um, it takes up half the episode, every episode, and it pulls so many characters away from the main plot to obsess about the whereabouts of a character we... No, isn't coming back. We know Ruby Rose is not coming back to the show. And so to see like all of these characters, see Alice, see Sophie, especially Luke, just be like, Kate could come back. Kate could be around this corner. I'm like, she's not. She's not, though. So I don't really want to spend 20 minutes of an episode watching them like obsess over Kate. And, you know, while I'm I, I know that Ruby quitting and deciding to leave put the writers in a bind. They weren't expecting this at the end of the first season plus the pandemic coming in you cut the season out short so they don't even really get to close out i mean you know because ruby ideally would have been around the last three episodes or whatever of batwoman and they probably would have had time to like neatly tie that up or, or tee it up to a new batwoman in season two but when the pandemic hit ruby's like see <laughs> <laughs> like filming stops i stop you know so it's, <laughs> so i get that it's like really difficult to set up the change for the writers but i feel like it's not like ruby decided to leave that night <laughs> you know like there was there was some timing that needed to be you know contract she had to be laid out a contract there had to be some talks someone had to know something i feel like you know we knew this was coming. At least y'all did. So I wish I just, just like long story short, I wish transition was not as long and um, as it's turning out to be. Uh, and as much as fun as it is to see Megan and Rachel working together, Sophie and Alice. And um, I think Rachel even said recently on Twitter, she was asked, answering a fan question about, you know, Megan is like her best friend on set. And so it's like nice for them to have all these scenes together. And in the episode, like they do have some really, nice chemistry like alice licking the pepper and and like making fun of all sophie's like bland ass foods was was funny but i don't like all the time being wasted on a dead end essentially um and like sophie's broken up with julia which they felt the need they felt compelled to do that but if they didn't break sophie and julia up to move sophie on with someone else then like what was the point of doing that in episode one you know um and especially it's really the most aggravating part piece of this puzzle is luke like sophie and alice to an extent fine because they're going to be the last ones to give up on kate but luke is is like the linchpin of the bat team and especially taking him out and um him not really caring about ryan about the city, which is still in danger and still needs a Batwoman because he's so focused on finding Kate, is like legit getting on my nerves. And I liked in um, the preview for the next episode that Ryan makes a point to actually point that out. So I like that it's getting addressed 
in the next episode that she's the one that's wearing the suit and she needs the support. And I just feel like he needs to get on board and it needs to happen quickly. I feel like hopefully, because it feels on the path that we're on now, that we won't get to the end of the Kate arc until the mid-season finale. And I hope Luke finds his mind before then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That is an excellent way to put it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I also, you know, I really hate that Luke doesn't get anything to do other than just believe in the power of Kate. Um, And that's definitely, for me, that's where the the just, you know, ongoing Kate plot is most offensive and annoying because it makes him (laughs) not likable. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) it makes him be disrespectful to to Ryan and then he's not bonding with Mary and I was waiting for that ship and now it's just like a nothing I don't ship it anymore because he's being a little jerk face um and but but I agree in general that yes too much time is being spent on Kate because we know what the end goal is if we didn't know if they were keeping us in suspense then it would be like interesting it'd be like oh my god are we gonna find Kate but we know that we're not gonna find Kate unless I guess she has a new face but even then it would be disappointing because we were building up Ryan we want Ryan to be Batwoman so it's not like we can have Kate be Batwoman at the end of this. So, so yeah. So it is just kind of like, it just feels like it's going nowhere. Um, and it's so far, I don't know. It's hard to know where it's building. Like it works for Mary and presumably it works for Luke, right? Those, even though I don't like where his is going so far, he's obviously going to let go versus Mary um, doing one or the other. Right, right. Coming to terms, right? <laughs> Um, and they're both from there going to push forward with the new Batwoman and become like an even stronger Bat team. So that makes total sense. But for Alice and for Sophie um, and for Jake, I just literally, Jacob, whatever the hell his <laughs> name is, I literally don't know what they're going to do after this because they're not building a storyline outside of Kate. Mm-hmm. So it'll just be like a never ending search for Kate. So they have nothing to do. And then once they realize she's dead, she's gone. What do they do? Is Alice going to, because Alice and Jacob, it could be she could have then turned her rage on Jacob, right? Or they could be having something. They could have a moment because they both loved and or hated Kate. And yet now she's gone, but they're doing nothing. So it's like, do they care about each other at all? And then Sophie, you know, she could actually be processing the stuff that Alice is saying that she's processing. That we're not getting to see her process um, outside of that time she read the letter. So yeah, so I just I just feel like they're just spinning their wheels with really important characters by keeping the Kate thing in the loop, which I don't like. Um, but outside of that, Ju- Julia, does Julia just not exist anymore? Like, they mentioned her. I, I, I feel like, I don't know if she, like, skipped off to London while we didn't know. Like, is she on some secret mission, or... I right. don't know. Didn't, like, reference it in the show. Yeah. So yeah, so, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what they're doing with it. Yeah, it's like, is it because... she's vacationing in Coriana? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't know if it's because they didn't want to, like, you know, quarantine the actress, or... If she's doing something else, or if they just but don't care about, she was there about... for like the first like one right. or two episodes, right? Episode. So you're right, you're right. So you're right. I don't know. Then it doesn't make any sense. Nothing makes sense. Um, but that being said, um, I think it's weird and dumb, and they should have like how she could be off. in the Batcave and be replacement right. Luke. You know, she could, she could. So yeah, I don't know. And yes. Even though you already discussed this, and you're right, like, we already knew that Alice was heterosexual, <laughs> or at least not gay, right? We already knew she liked men, period. Um, 
I'm still just like, Ocean, you're so sexy, but I don't think it's, I think it's weird. More so not just like, oh, here's another dude trying to make out with him, but like, that it seems like she really loved him at that point. Like, it, like the, the way they framed it was like, ooh. It, it was like, like pre-crazy, crazy Alice. Exactly. It was like exactly. semi-crazy Alice, but not like full-blown Alice. Right. So I guess that'll you be drive interesting. Drive her over the edge. <laughs> right, right. I don't know. She can't remember. Maybe they were in love and they were going to run off and then, you know, she got drugged to like lose her memory. Force amnesia. (laughs) So, yeah. So, so, so it's more just like, I was like, oh, I'm a dude. But (laughs) but really, it's not just like, I'm just putting it here to be annoying because I do think that there are interesting possibilities for it. I just think there's lots of cliche possibilities for it too that we don't need. And it's just out of caution. It's It's a cautionary, you know, dislike right now. We'll see. He is sexy though, so it could just be a like in the end. And that's that. His name is Ocean. You're like, okay. <laughs> and like, it was Ocean Eyes. And it's so <laughs> funny because like his character description sounded so boring. And I'm like, oh, but he, he's connected to all these people. I'm like, this is great. Right. Um, <laughs> but I feel like he's like the uh, Walter White. Like, you know, whatever his description was like mentioning like plants and being a Zen farmer. I feel like he was like the creator of a major, maybe he created Snakebite. I don't know. But he created some kind of drug. And everybody is looking for him. So. Prediction. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but I completely agree about, like, the whole finding the long gone Kate, you know. And it, it's especially weird because I feel like Alice in particular is sort of hindering Sophie's storyline. And, like, with Jacob even, I feel they planted seeds where he could actually evolve and be like, you know, Kate's gone. Now I have a chance to actually help that woman because I've seen what she can do and we maybe we can like team up together. There's something there that could be, you know, brought in later on for the show and with his storyline. But with like Sophie specifically, I mean, Alice in particular, but they're already giving Alice the Ocean storyline and the um, Sophia storyline. So she's got that. Sophie doesn't really have anything. No, she, she doesn't even Julia. like she lost Julia. She doesn't have Kate. Now she's being strung along by Alice and sort of like have being in a reactionary position where she's not really getting her own storyline. She's just sort of reacting to Alice and everything Alice is doing. And like it would be more interesting to me if we even got her like Luke is mad that Kate's gone and can't accept Ryan really. But I feel like Sophie could also be in that position because like she knows Kate was Batwoman now. She could be sort of mad that Ryan's were taking her sp- taking her spot like her legacy or whatever and that could be like an interesting conflict um or at least i don't know like a repeat of like luke's though because i feel like they ran out of like but it would just be like something that we could like see you know something i'd like to see her in her turmoil yeah like turning your anger that way whatever if you hadn't kate would still be here give me that yeah just something (laughs) i just feel like they're just you know they're not even like dipping their toes in anything interesting yet for her. And I don't really know where her storyline is going for the season. That really bothers me a lot. Um, especially since like she came so far at the second half of, of last season. Like that's still just the lack of Sophie in general. Um, and other things, I don't know, like that's, that's my biggest, my biggest one. Um, and obviously Luke, because like Luke, I guess, like, the expectation that he's just always in the Batcave, not that he should always be there, he should also have a life outside of that, but, like, he's just, he's just so unwilling to, like, be there, change, cooperate, I don't know, whatever, you know, whatever it is that's stopping him, he just, like, needs to 
move on from that or at least like open open your heart luke (laughs) and also like his storyline is stalled because it's also revolving around kate but like what is going on with you know the mystery about his dad's death and all that stuff like i feel like all these storylines interesting storylines are just stuck right now because of the whole we need to find kate kane but kate kane is not going to be found (laughs) so it's it's just a a weird a really weird thing i wish that they would at least like wrap it up next episode and and move on from it um whatever feedback who has what thoughts a lot of feedback yeah we did thank you okay so starting with uh shy one yeah it's been a while um it's been a hot minute since I've written in, I hope Azima finds you doing well. Although I haven't written in, I've been to listen to most of your hiatus podcasts. Aw, thank you. I would have to wait to listen to most of them until I watch the shows you all talked about. Then I'd be able to go back and listen and hear what you all have to say. As for return of the DCTV shows, I'm excited for the Flash return. I don't plan on watching the new Superman show. No one does. I'm <laughs> caught up on Black Lightning and decided to watch Batwoman season two. I wasn't a fan of season one, but I stopped watching it after Crisis. But I decided to return since the cast of ECL Leslie. Good job. Alright, so we're going to skip to her Batwoman thoughts. As for Batwoman, I'm still trying to warm up to the show. I'm not going to lie, some of the dialogue in the first few episodes is a bit clunky and cheesy. I do like that they gave a plausible explanation for why we have a new Batwoman, but I feel like it's still not about Ryan at this point. Mm-hmm. The constant talk about Kate makes it hard to move on and focus solely on Ryan as Batwoman. I get why they're doing it, but it's becoming a drag for me because I didn't enjoy last season that much. <laughs> This episode had some nice moments with the Candy Lady story, and maybe I missed it, but I'm trying to figure out how she never got caught. She's white. Um, and I'm Well, yeah, it's also because, like, I think it's mostly because the kids that she would kidnap people are, like, care. kids that no, people, that, exactly. yeah, no one cares exactly. about. She right. kidnapped foster kids and people with no families and all that kind of stuff, so. Right. It also didn't make sense why she didn't just try to kill Ryan or have her killed when they caught her. Um... Anyways, I'm, try- I'm going to continue to watch and see if this season can do what last season couldn't. Get me to keep watching. <laughs> well, hopefully it does. I think it's, you know, like, if it's not your cup of tea, it's not your cup of tea. But it is, I think, infinitely. Not infinitely. But it is better than last season, I think. I think it's uh, stronger than last season. In terms of storyline possibilities, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, much better. And also, start. just in terms of lead character. And storyline cohesiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of like emotional, like, you know, payoff and like interesting layers for the first season. It did actually end up getting better as it went along. But Kate as a character just wasn't all that. So Ryan is definitely a better center, I think. Anyway. I I forgot to mention this in my life. They finally remembered the Kryptonite storyline. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I forgot to mention that in my life too. I was like, oh, here we go. Okay, Marie. Yes, Marie. Listen to all your most recent podcasts and love them, especially the Batwoman recaps reviews. Your recap of the third episode will remind me to catch up on the show. Oh, well, I'm glad. Loving Ryan so far, especially your friendship with Mary and the growing pains with becoming the new Bat. Luke's tension with her is understandable, but it's not Ryan's fault Kate is lost. Mm-hmm. They're back and forth mixed free TV, but I need him to reel the attitude in soon. Him being suspicious of Ryan was hilarious, especially the shady book club comment. I love the fact that Mary and Ryan are so close already. Mary needed a friend bad. Yes, she did. Having watched the fourth episode now, I can say that as cute as the little truth scene with Angelique was, she seems like such bad vibes. Everyone says this. <laughs> I read an article saying she's Ryan's kryptonite. Yes. 
which is funny as Ryan's got literal kryptonite in her arm <laughs> or in her right now. <laughs> but I hope she doesn't derail Ryan's life again. I do. Someone else. Oh, that's right. That's what that. Okay. It was. It was. What's his face? Do you know what I'm talking about? We hate him. Monel. When Monel called Kara his kryptonite. Like, oh, we yeah, but that's what she remembered. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and then we've got Suara. Suara. Hope you're all staying warm and secure. Um, and wishes to everyone dealing with the weather. Indeed, I hope everyone is okay in this weather. I hope everyone's power is back on. I hope that we get better infrastructure. And I hope that we realize climate change is real, people. Yeah. Okay, on to the feedback. I'm loving Batwoman so, so much. Ryan is such an amazing and dynamic character and honestly one of my favorite protagonists on DCTV. I thought this episode written by Ebony Gilbert, who I believe is a black woman, did a great job at integrating Ryan's traumas into the story at hand. In particular, I think they did a great job of showing the terrors of whiteness with the horrible candy lady. I had so much anger watching her anytime on screen. I think the writing and directing elicited the desired effect. Agreed. While I was so stressed out for Ryan, watching her be triumphant in the end, including saving Kevin, was, you know, great. <laughs> uh, even if the commentary might have seemed heavy-handed, it's a CW show, I think it made for a very effective point about how too often the system fails and actively perpetuates harm on Black children like Ryan and Kevin. I love this version of Batwoman so much, and I hope she continues for a long time in the TV series and in other media. You love know what? That. That reminds mm-hmm. me that I forgot to mention my other point I like um, is that I don't like that all this the torture porn that is Ryan's like backstory because um, I feel like it's a lot like she she already had a lot when we got the description because her dad either died or left before she was born her mom died in childbirth her foster mom that she loved more than anything was killed in front of her you know like all of this stuff going on. I feel like you could have gotten the same effective story if she was telling somebody else's flashbacks. Like if she had heard the story of some other little girl or boy at the foster home and, and it still could have been triggering to her and she still would have wanted to help out. But it just feels like on top of everything else, she also got kidnapped and almost sold into child slavery. Like that, that is just, you know, it's a little bit of a burst. I hope that every villain story or whatever does not take us to another trauma that has been committed upon Ryan in her life because I think it's she a deserves lot. a break. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Alright. All, right. all the feedback? That is all the feedback. Now we can go to Black Lightning. Excellent. Now we're at side B where we're switching lanes <laughs> to Black Lightning. <laughs> the war between the 100 and the Cobra Cartel rages on and you know, there's a lot going on there, but they try to explain it. I don't know if it makes sense. But anyway. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> Meanwhile, Lynn continues to be concerned about Jefferson. And Jefferson starts going to therapy on his own to talk about his problems and also him as a person. And Lynn is obviously dealing with her own new addiction about having just a bajillion types of powers at different <laughs> points in time to see what they could do. <laughs> Lastly, Jennifer's curiosity is piqued by a new boy at school. Is it? Was ri- Wait a I don't minute. Know. I know. Is this? That did not happen at all. In- it didn't, right? Why like, are these lies? She didn't even go to school. She didn't. That is a good point. <laughs> this synopsis lied to us. <laughs> Jennifer, oh, Jennifer and Anissa double teamed against her mom. <laughs> Yeah. And was 
like, stay in your lane, basically, because you are not a superhero, you're not trained, and they had a little kerfuffle there. Um, the episode was written by Charles D. Holland and directed by Willie Woodruff. What sparked joy? What uh, sparked joy? Um, I like to see Anissa continuing her role as an activist. I like Blackbird um, helping to protect the people of Freeland, or at least the homeless of Freeland, both from the 100 gang and from the Cobra cartel. I like that we see just creepy Lady Eve people <laughs> being creepy. I think it's like interesting that we're getting like the city being taken advantage of on like all sides um, by different players. Um, and it feels like Freeland is back at square one from the start of the show. And it suggests that Black Lightning is needed, right? It solves the Batman problem of like, oh, what came first? You know, the Joker or Batman or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, because in this, it's like we see that Jefferson has given up being a Black Lightning. And then we also see that Freeland is in chaos, right? <laughs> um, so there are people there waiting to take advantage of the city when it is in shambles. Um, so even though I don't like like that, I do think that it is good storytelling if the end goal is to bring back lightning back black lightning back um even though the gammy plot did not move much i did very much like his dynamic with lauren still i liked that um first like jefferson calling him out because he wasn't you know he didn't pick up when jen called or whatever um and then gammy basically being like okay well i'm sorry about that but also i do have a life that i think <laughs> that i should live and i'm like yes gammy live your life <laughs> So I support him, you know, doing whatever the hell he's doing with Lauren, getting DEGs and also getting laid. Um, you know, even if he's 80, I think it's time. It's time. Um, and also, I guess that that's probably going to tie back into uh, Chief Lopez is like wanting to bring in like meta weapons or, or anti-meta like weapons. She, like, I feel like um, Gamby's ex is the company that Chief Lopez is trying to like contract exactly. to bring in. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's going to tie back into that. And then mm-hmm. Gamby is going to be able to stop them. Because he's from the inside. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I think that's interesting. Um, Also, um, I think it's good that they're playing up Jefferson's pain over Henderson, right? Um, I think they're giving Jefferson Henderson more due in his death than they ever gave him in his life. (laughs) So (laughs) I guess that's nice. Um, But we do, it gives us a lot of insight into how, like how he operates and the guilt that he carries. Right. And now he's, he's transferring that pain of losing Henderson into that, fear of the possibility of losing his family members of losing his daughters um and it's really affecting like everything he does i also really loved his therapy session the like the one-on-one therapy session i felt like the therapist was actually helpful in that one um (laughs) and when she was basically like you have like you know giving him permission to like feel his feelings right like he's like okay you don't have to it's not like you're not talking bad about her if you express your discontent or you express how you're feeling in your marriage that's part of um therapy so that was good i liked the tobias and Jefferson face off and it's like we see how Jefferson is just so easily losing control as himself right so you know he's like on the brink still um and also when Jefferson called Lynn out for her for being addicted right for putting one addicted to another yes finally um accurate and I also loved Anissa and Jennifer <laughs> ganging up on Lynn and being like you need to back off and also like it does give you that real sense of like Lynn feels like she wants to feel needed. Right. So mm-hmm. as part of now that's like, now she feels like she's being left out of her family because they don't she need her quote unquote. Right. Because she doesn't have powers, even though she has always been the one they need because of, you know, her brain or because of her reasoning and because of just literally the fact that she's their mom, you know, there's many ways in which she is a relevant human being as a scientist and as a mother and as just the person in this earth that does not have to do with her powers, but she's focusing all that, you know, she thinks that everything has to do with the powers now, which is interesting. Um, so yeah, 
That's all. Yeah. I, I mean, I like that. Like, um, <laughs> everything you said about, you know, Lynn and um, her kind of position in the family now and feeling like, you know, she's left out. Jefferson's gone AWOL, so they don't, the girls don't have their dad out in the field. And so right. If dad is not there, then mom has to step up. But, you know, mom doesn't have meta power. So how do I help, you know, in, in this way? And being a scientist and all the stuff that she did, now it's leading to, you know, if I can channel these powers that I, you know, got from my research, then I could be an asset. And, da, da, da. and it's kind of like, I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion or not, but I don't feel the same about Lynn's crime fighting addiction as I did her glamour addiction. <laughs> it's really funny because I was trying to like justify it to myself why this addiction is so much more interesting to me. Because it's basically the same thing, right? Like, you know, her motivation or excuse, if you want to call that, is the same. It's like, in the name of science, you know, she took Glimmer last season because it was like Adderall to help her focus on saving the green light kids in the name of science. And like this, you know, season, we've seen her testing out different powers and, you know, solving crimes or stopping crimes, but also documenting the changes on herself. And it's in, you know, oh, I wish Jefferson was here to help me, you know, talk through these side effects, blah, 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 blah. So it's still like in her mind, in the name of science, but also um, it's not because it's still like an addiction. She's still very, her her obsession with her research is is easily sliding over into addiction, but it's just more interesting to me. I don't know, because I really hated it last season, but some, some, I don't know. I, I'm just a hypocrite, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, in this case, I guess you can argue that like she's it's still an addiction, but she's sort of more on the same level, like as her family because it's powers and, it, and it's, I feel like, about I guess powers. like and it's not like destroying her mentally in the way that Glimmer was and this but this is like superpowers to, you know, in terms of like heroism and it goes back to like her thing about to Jefferson about being a hero, heroism as an addiction and all this kind of stuff. Um, that's interesting. And like Jefferson is right in his concern about the way that she's treating it. Um, but, but you also, still like it. <laughs> but I still like it. And I still um, also understand from her point of view, again, like, She's not just, I feel like if Jefferson had kept his shit together, she would not be experimenting different powers on herself every night, you know? So, um, yeah, I I understand, like, her motivations for, you know, trying to figure out how this stuff works. And I kind of want to know, like, how she chooses which meta she wants to be today. (laughs) Like, you just go and see her closet of meta, meta vials. Like, oh, I think I want to have wind powers today that'd be fun (laughs) um but yeah the gang wars didn't make any sense um it was nice to see lala and destiny i guess destiny is a clever way to include lady eve without paying lady eve (laughs) you just get her number one destiny um so that makes sense i guess but i did like that Anissa was effectively able to deploy some diplomacy and getting Lala and Destiny to have like a truce. Um, 
So I thought that was good for Blackbird. Um, I also agree. I like that Gambi is getting out of his cave and having a um, really interesting love interest for like the first time ever. Because um, we're right. Like Gambi deserves love as well. He can't just be sitting in a cave. He's been in a cave like for 20 years for Jefferson. And now, you know, Anissa and, and Jennifer are heroes. So it's, he gets like, the rest of his life still in a cave, like, going for them. So, you know, people have to, like, grow and, and move on and all this kind of stuff. So it's good to see him get um, his own storyline going. I was really, like, I, I live-tweeted the Black Lightning episode, and I was like, where is TC? Like, why isn't he helping Gammy break into this lady's office? Like, I feel like his, you know, skill set would be very useful here. <laughs> and then, like, later on, in the episode, unfortunately, it was for Jefferson and poor TC didn't know what he was agreeing to. But he still exists. So we le- we have one kid down from last season. Now we still have to find one Brandon and Khalil <laughs> and that other girl. Yeah, we'll be good to go. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I agree with all that. I mean, I really, probably weird to say, but I liked that like Jennifer and Anissa sort of ganged up on their on their mom because it felt that like a funny. genuine <laughs> like sibling attack on the parent. Not that attack is a strong word, but you know, like when you get that into arguments with your parents and you attack team like, with your siblings. You are too old. You need yes. to sit your ass down somewhere. You're just like I know better than you now because I'm an adult and yes. sometimes you feel like you become the parent to your own parents. And in this case that was very much <laughs> the, in the, the what happened. And it was like I also like Lynn's reaction to it because it was very classic black parent. Like, excuse me, like who are you talking to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like but and it honing in on, you know, how she was feeling, why she was doing these things, and her sort of her insecurity, you know, when they when they talk to her like that. And so like you can like I don't, I've been also enjoying Lynn's storyline <laughs> for this season uh, very much because I think like it's far more focused. It's not just mm-hmm. being thrown in there just for the sake of being thrown in there. It's actually yes. she's actually getting to talk about things like her session with a the therapist and talking about how she doesn't have any friends. Yeah, um, I forgot that. That was that, really I would love good. That. You know, like especially as a woman who you know she does have a career, a great career, and she really loves that career. She has a family, she loves her family, but she doesn't really have anything outside of that. And you know, you can love your family, but you also need like friends. You need an outlet to to discuss other things with other people and kind of like have that tether to your life outside of that. And it was a really great conversation because I feel like pe- women specifically don't really talk about this, especially as they get older and they might have families and stuff like that. But it's really just nice, like on the superhero show. Yeah, on like we mentioned like Iris before in the Flash. Yeah, it's very bubbly, outgoing character. And yet has zero friends in that show. Yeah, of, and that like, makes no sense. It's it like... doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really glad that they brought that up in Black Lightning. It's like, yes, yeah. why is that? <laughs> yeah, I'm like let's get to the root of this problem. <laughs> yeah. And I like that. And I like that Jefferson is also going, like, they're going as a couple. And I like that they're going separately because it's important that, you know, like the therapist said, she's like, you're in a marriage, but you're also individual people. And you can't be mm-hmm. a whole marriage if you're not whole people. And I really like that whole entire segment conversation. Um, I thought it was, mm-hmm, it was beautiful. <laughs> um, and because this season, especially <laughs> like Jefferson and Lynn are the writers are better exploring them as individuals versus like them, you know, 
sort of messing around with their relationship like will they won't they what's happening here we're angry whatever but now they're actually getting somewhere with regards to how they can move forward in their relationship and actually become a healthier stronger couple um moving forward and that's really really great um i like that like anissa can still don her blackbird outfit and go into the streets and like actually be the you know the person who is continuing to like hold her community together like she understands that there's a lot going on and she's like look you can't keep fighting you gotta like settle things because people there's people here they need food and they need shelter and you are just kind of messing with that (laughs) so i really like like her whole conversation her her approach to lala and destiny even though i dislike that lady eve is not around (laughs) um and that was really good and then just like confirmation that tc's still alive (laughs) still out there somewhere was really nice because like you know you said earlier in the pilot we're like the season four premiere it's like wait (laughs) what happened all these you know people and plot threads that they had going in season three so that was really nice and even like gamby continuing to be out of his little bat cave or whatever that's gotten bigger i realized like this past episode is just huge now Mm -hmm. um and just kind of doing his own thing but sort of still on a mission but also having like a personal life at the same time so i like that dynamic did he Uh, ever undie like for a while he was dead to the world so how does like ava no i don't think they ever explained it but I guess they could use like the fact that he was kidnapped by the Markovians or something. I don't know. <laughs> but they never actually explained it, I don't think. Um, but yeah, so all of that was was really strong and really great. Even like Jefferson's um, fear of losing his children when uh, that man's son was like shot and it was somebody he knew mm-hmm. as well uh, was really like painful to watch. Um, so yeah, there's like a lot of good stuff is going on right now on a personal level. Uh, with these characters and I really like that which did not spark joy though hmm what did not spark joy well I um I feel like there's I feel like I I, I, I totally feel what y'all are saying about Lynn and I agree <laughs> but I'm also like I just wish that there was focus on someone's personal life mm-hmm. not necessarily Lynn's like before we had Lynn, you know, we had more focus on Lynn's um, work because it was tied to the Green Light Kids, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it was a lot of failures. <laughs> so it would be nice if that was not the case. But um, so so Lynn's not, we're not getting as much of that. And then Anissa, I don't even know if she does, you know, medical studenting or whatever the hell she was doing. Yeah, her are. job, her um, everything was just, I, I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah they, they dropped that and put her in her mom's clinic or wherever land yeah, she's in her clinic. that's right that's right she's in her clinic but like so like all we saw from that is like that dude and is only there yeah, because you just like block that dude out of the, yeah, exactly. of the episode we, we saw that dude because because of grace Darius, um, yeah. we didn't see we didn't see um you know we haven't seen jennifer in school yet although apparently we will and there will be a boy um and 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 jefferson is like back at the school but like we used to have a lot more focus on the school, you know, and Jefferson, how Jefferson can be a hero as himself. Obviously, I understand that he is spiraling right now, and therefore he cannot be a hero as either himself or as Black Lightning, but it would be nice to see some everyday heroism from someone. Like, even um, Dead Reporter, whose name I have forgotten, may she rest Miller. in peace. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you know, that was, again, like, the concept of everyday heroism, and, and, Je- and Henderson kind of represented that as like the main non-powered person who was like, I'm going to help y'all. Um, but he said, 
So I just feel like some I would like someone to be the representative <laughs> human humanoid who is helping us. Um, also, you know, why why is Grace in a coma still and not in a coma? Also, just being a tiger or a leopard or how she's being jaguar. Yeah, like so she's not in a coma. I don't understand. But like, why did Anissa open the door and she was? Just literally a live animal is there in the bed. And this is like, okay, I guess I'm going to go for drinks. It's like, is the animal not going to leave the room? What's happening? It was, why is this okay? Um, why isn't Chantal being cut her checks? I thought she was a regular now this episode too. Please make her wake up or, you know, be there as a hologram. If you just don't want Grace to exist for some reason. Um, so yeah, I didn't like that. Also don't like, I mean, not that I, I don't know if I don't like it, but if we're setting up a show for Khalil, right? Where's Khalil? <laughs> I'm not invested <laughs> in a show about Khalil. I don't even see Khalil. It doesn't even seem like Jennifer really cares about Khalil anymore. So I'm like, no one cares about Khalil now. He literally could be dead. And that would have been fine. But he's not dead. He's getting a whole show. Where is he? And what is the show going to be about? Also, I feel like Lala was just like better last season. Now he's just doing too much again. And he's just very illogical. Um, and there's no one to, like, he's not, like, a good match for Tobias because Lala is not very yeah. smart. Yeah. <laughs> 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 is very smart. Um, so I'm not really sure, like, what his purpose is right now. Like, he had, like, a really, like, he had a specific purpose when he was, like, against Tobias, right? He was, like, out for vengeance or whatever. And then he was actually kind of helping in the fight against Markovia just because of the sake of Freeland. But now it's like he's just roaming free. And just being annoying. And then, of course, Jefferson is also being annoying. But he has reasons for it. But it's still annoying. So there you yeah. go. I feel like Lala is... Um, I'll, I'll, I'll explain more on this in a minute. But just season one, going from season one to this season, all the stuff that was great about season one, they have just continued to suck the life out of it. And Lala is one of those. Um, because, like... In the beginning, we had you know, he died, and then he came back to life, and then you have these these ghosts on that are tattooed on his chest that he talks to randomly, and and you know he was guilty at one point. He did feel guilty at some point of of all of this, and then turning it on to bias, and you know all that stuff. And none of like, what is he now other than just like a greedy wannabe kingpin of Freeland? You know, like, and he said something really interesting that i don't know if i caught it correctly or not but um when he decided to start a gang war with lady eve's gang and you know he was like i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna kill people and it sounded like and he wants to kill jennifer and anissa uh anissa obviously thunder and lightning but i don't i can't remember exactly what he said but it made it seem like he wanted to kill himself a meta so that like I don't know, like I don't know how his powers work anymore. Like, if he kills somebody, does he get their powers? <laughs> you know, or how does that work? Because like I mean, he hasn't killed a meta yet that we know of. Because and he all we've seen him side effects of him killing people is him showing up in his head and making him feel bad. But like, if he killed a meta, what does that do? Does he know what it does? Like, does you know, let's shoot a meta and find out some something to make his situation seem more interesting again because it, it doesn't it feels like it's just wasted potential 
right now and I don't know where it's going. Um, I liked, I like Jefferson spiraling actually it's, it's on the same par with me as Lynn's crime fighting addiction. And that's just like really interesting. And then, you know, it's, it's something, a new place that we haven't explored for either of those characters, but um, on the opposite, like Jefferson spiraling isn't just at the worst time in the worst ways. And it's very destructive. I thought it was really interesting. You know, he can't control what he's feeling in his emotions. So like he just gets out of bed in the middle of the night and releases lightning into the sky to the point that he passes out and can't remember how he got there. Um, that's interesting. But then when he gets to these places, like hearing um, Marcel's story about, you know, how his child was shot in the street and trying to um, not knowing what to do with that grief, somebody else's grief, not knowing how to help that person. And as you know, Black Lightning or as, as as Jefferson, it becomes very destructive. Um, using TC to find this man, and um, again, like he's attacking someone. At, like at least change out of your suit, bro. <laughs> First of all, but he's attacking someone as Jefferson. Oh. <laughs> like <laughs> you turn off the lights, but like I can still see faces in the dark, you know. And so it's like only a matter of time that. He he's gonna get caught. More careless and more careless, and someone is gonna like know that it's him, and the pieces are gonna be connected together. And there's not a lot he can do to escape but, that or justify what he's been doing um, as Jefferson, just because he's sad that Henderson died. Like you can't really use that as a justification. And I don't know if how they're planning on on getting to that, but it's just you know it's not right. The best side of Jefferson that we're seeing, and it's really interesting. Because the other thing that I kind of um, liked but was also frustrating is that everyone in this family has good points. Like when Anissa and Jen are telling Lynn she's to sit her ass down somewhere and calm down. Or when Jefferson is like, you know, he traded in one addiction for the, another. And when mm-hmm. Lynn is like, you know, you girls are out there and you think you know what you're doing, but you don't know what you're doing. So I need to be there to help you. Or to Jefferson, how, you know you're not even expressing your grief fully and you're holding things in and, and, and everyone is right, but they're all so head ass about their own issues that no one is taking anybody else's point of view into consideration. <laughs> right. Right. And it's just like a mess. Um, and, it's like realistic, but annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so it's, it's, that's another thing from season one where at least I feel like we repeat this every season that core, of the show is the Pierce family and the bond that they have as a family. And we, it was strong in season one and it's just got dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And it doesn't like, I feel like, you know, bring the family back together. Family is a center. And they're like, say less, but then they do less. <laughs> they don't, they don't, right. they don't right. say that to the like room, fix it. They, they just keep taking it away. And it, it does feel Especially knowing how the their this is the last season mm-hmm. and how abruptly they decided to announce that they were going to end it, it just feels like they don't care about the show anymore, and they're just doing stuff until they can get to what they actually want to do, which is the painkiller series. So it's just kind of like disrespectful in a way. Yeah, you see how they're gonna. I don't at at this moment. I don't really see how they are even attempting or trying to bring this family, the community, the show back together. Right. Back together. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. 
yeah. And then finally, my final thing, like despite Anissa and, and like immediately making it clear that she's a lesbian, like I still don't trust Darius or that relationship just because of the way that they set it up. You know, first he's like hitting on her. She's like, I'm a lesbian. She's like, you're hitting up the wrong tree or whatever. And he's like, oh, yeah, fine. Platonic, platonic. But then it's on top of Anissa feeling tired of waiting for Grace. And, you know, when she sees the Jaguar, she's like, forget this. Leaves Grace to go out to have like a fake date with Darius. And their whole conversation is about how do we know? when it's time to let someone go and to move on to find something different, like dead dogs and all this other shit. Like Darius, like, what is, what are you doing? Like, I don't even know you. Like, <laughs> I don't care about <laughs> all your problems. Like, why are you, why are you here? Like, oh, why is you here? <laughs> and I just don't like with all the other stuff that is like giving me the vibe that the writers don't care about this show. And the writers mm-hmm. don't care about Thunder Grace. Like, I, I, you know, they said it. So maybe they're trying to cover themselves. Like, you know, she said that she isn't. But, you know, I just don't trust it. I don't. I don't. Because they would do some bullshit like that. And, yeah. I completely agree with that. Because it's not like they've spent the last two episodes convincing us that this is the ship. Because they're like make um Chantal a, a series regular and then put her in a coma and then make her an animal right. and then have her show up in the next episode like I don't know what you're doing but I'm annoyed uh-huh. <laughs> but spending like but Agnes is spending like a lot of time with Darius and like consoling Darius and Darius is like oh my god this is so hard how do we do how are you so strong and so, uh, I'm like shut up <laughs> yeah it's, it, is, it did it like if she, yeah you're right if, it was like was if, straight, if it would totally be like a rebound relationship yeah, type if thing she was, if there right was a, right if she was like bisexual that would have been a moment for them to like come in close and almost kiss and yeah i just like i, I feel like they want to do that <laughs> yeah yeah and right. it's like, it is like probably they're gonna use him to be like you know what no i really do care about grace and this is the relationship that i want but like why did he have to make you realize that <laughs> let's try man once <laughs> i know so that, that's super frustrating it's, it's like starting to grate on the nerves because we really don't know I don't think they ever confirmed how many episodes any of the shows are going to be, except for like Supergirl this season. And it's really frustrating to like not know how long we still have left before things are going to end. And even though it's like still early on in the season, it doesn't feel like they're trying to wrap up certain things. Even like that's why, you know, as much as I like the exploration of Jefferson specifically and like his grief and what he's going through, uh-huh. I feel like it's just stressful because i don't want him to like get caught i don't want him to end up in jail i don't want anything to happen to him that's going to go wrong in a last season i just want the family back together you want community building like you said earlier you know like where is all that stuff that we used to have and i feel like it's just going it's his storyline is just sinking sinking dark sinking faster into like darkness and i don't like that because it's like if you're going to make him hit rock bottom like how long are you going to spend bringing him back you know what i mean and it's just right frustrating because it is the last season so it's like we need this to kind of like move forward a little bit more and and do a better job of kind of like trying to bring it all together or like have him you know move on in some type of way it's not like i'm asking for him to just you know up and forget henderson but in showtime it's also been like a year and you know there's only so 
long that I can watch him spiral. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that that's frustrating. And I don't like I like Lala. I like Destiny. I think that they could have something really interesting there with regards to like post-Markovia, what's happening with the community, the, how it's kind of sort of like them having two separate gangs. It's sort of like the community is itself broken in a way or like split mm-hmm. in half or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, but I don't think that they're doing it really well with Lala as a, a, an imposing figure. You don't know. And you know yeah. what else? I feel like they are like both gangs also think that they're doing the best for Freeland. So it's again, it's another one of those like people being head ass about their own mm-hmm. issues and not realizing they're doing more damage. Yeah. They're actually like what true, they're doing is actually just damaging the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Hopefully we'll get more answers. Who do, do we have feedback? I think we do. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. From Shine Swara. All right. So starting with Swara. Um, overall, I like this week's Black Lightning with a few quibbles. I guess Jen is completely okay, and we're just going to forget what happened in the ending last week. <laughs> oh, yes, that's, that's true. true. She just that. fell, and it's like, oh, okay, she's fine. Yeah, yeah. And the but she, she, yeah, she almost, because then she get, like, hurt again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. I like this episode <laughs> offered a lot of breathing room and communication for the Pierce family after having none the past season. While there is a lot of conflict, I'm glad to see them actually communicating. Watching both Lynn and Jefferson mess up in their own ways is intriguing and frustrating. Yes, intriguing and frustrating is the perfect way to describe it. We understand where Jefferson is coming from, but why isn't he at least wearing a mask to protect his identity? Yes. Maybe he just gives no fucks anymore. Honestly, I can understand that. Lynn is continuing to be reliant on Greenlight. It's honestly still frustrating, but again, it's understandable. I'm hoping she, Jen, and Anissa settle their differences too. Uh, Jen, it seems like they're setting up her exit, maybe to be a vigilante elsewhere. I'm not sure. And we get Grace woken up, but as a cheetah, please just let Under Grace be happy. Yeah, I can't. Okay. Okay. I'm still just so confused by that. I was like, so is it different? Like, she's awake now? Like, this means she's not in a coma? I don't know. I'm just in a Or is it just like, she's just in a coma, but sleep cheetah-ing and that you're going to leave. Either way, like, why would she this happen before? Is that why Ennis is exactly. like, exactly. you know? That's so she confused. Just, she's awake the first time, then I'm like, oh my god, you'd be jumping for joy even if she is a cheetah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> if that was the first time it happened, then she should be totally like, this is a whole new thing. But instead she was like, no, not today. Not today, cheetah grace. Okay, but anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, moving on. <laughs> um, shy one. <clears throat> As for my thoughts on Black Lightning, I must say I'm not the biggest fan of what's happening with the show at the moment. I feel the show is missing its heart. I feel that too. I barely recognize the show compared to season one in regards to the Pierce family. The family is barely in the same room, and when they are, somebody is mad at somebody else for something. Even Gamby is off doing his own thing. The show just doesn't feel cohesive to me. I agree with Jefferson this episode. Lynn seems to have traded one addiction for another. The way they have her acting feels the same as last season to me. Then we have Jefferson out here being reckless with his powers, exposing his identity. I know they're dealing with what happened last season, but it just feels off to me. I think that one big thing, A, the first big thing that I would say feels off is because they made it a year instead of like just refresh in the memory. Um, So I think that is kind of weird. And then also the fact that it's the last season. And I'm assuming when they started the season, they didn't know it was going to be last season. Because like the beginning doesn't feel like last season things, you know? So I don't Mm -hmm. know. Maybe Maybe that's why something's a little off kilter. But um, that's the feedback. Thank you so much. Excellent. Do you have any predictions? 
Suarez seems more optimistic about Jen's exit than I do. <laughs> That's all I'm Because the way that she <laughs> she had a near death experience, right? She gets um, in the middle of like the gunfight. She gets you know injured. She heals herself, but um, she, like the way that they were talking to Lynn about how Lynn needs to step back and not seeing what? that. What is happening on the microphone? I think it's Tati's dog. Oh, I see. Yeah. Here but the way that they were talking to Lynn about Lynn needing to step back, um, while not also realizing that they don't really know what they're doing, because like last week they got caught up in a trap that was easily predictable. This week, you know, Jen gets hurt again. Like she's not infallible. So I, I don't know. I just feel like she's going to go one too far that she can't like come back from or what or something. I don't know. I'm just not that they've given me no reason to feel very optimistic about the way that they're going to choose to end Jim's saga. So, and I swear to God, if there is one more like exchange between Anissa and that dude, <laughs> I'm going to lose. Calling the cops. Was promoting it. <laughs> 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 guy or someone with less chemistry with, um, right. <laughs> I will say With like Nafisa, please. I would just want to say that I'm frustrated because like even after like you were saying earlier, Jessica, that they just stopped caring about the show, even the promo, like after the episode ends, there's there no, no promo for next week. It just Riverdale starts yeah. playing. I'm like, what the hell? What is happening? I thought I was I thought that was maybe it was just like my like network or, or whatever, but no, I saw like no one else got like a promo. Like what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> they don't hear they don't promote it they don't they aren't doing anything that's there crazy no yeah with it being a class season like what they're looking forward to or how their stories are wrapping up nothing and it's just so annoying to me yeah like they could really just drop the show and be like okay we're doing this you know right like when they just we, burn off the tune in for painkiller whenever we decide yeah. to do that no <laughs> yeah which is crazy yeah uh, okay <laughs> anyway Lady with Gumption of the week for Batwoman and one for Black Lightning. Um, I want to say Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard not to say Ryan. Yeah. Um, childhood trauma, literally. Yeah. Literally, no. figuratively. Yeah. She saved a child. She, she went back in as an adult to face yeah. like her demon. and Yeah. And yeah, she stopped another so. child from, 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 you know, facing that fate. So. So yeah, Ryan. I mean, there's not. And she put Jacob in his place. She Gotta did. She did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then so. Black Lightning, or do we care? <laughs> <laughs> Black Lightning. Who, Who would is be the latest Gumption? Who? I mean, right. Anissa did stop. But she did. Yeah, she That's did. True. She Anissa did, did do some good stuff. Yeah, 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 she did. She did. So and then Anissa Lynn had the gumption be... to shoot herself the power and go save her child. <laughs> That's true. She did. She did. Well, yeah, Lynn was really trying, man. Yeah, she did. She, she had, that was, that did take gumption. Get her, young that lady. If she wasn't there, if your mother wasn't there, you wouldn't have been the same. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, but Ryan would still win. So, <laughs> Ryan takes the cake. <laughs> we got some nominations. <laughs> Wonderful. Next week, we will have three shows. We'll have Batwoman, of course, Black Lightning, and the new edition, Superman and Lois. We'll get all no, our no, thoughts on that. We'll have two shows. We'll have two shows. Because I refuse. Are we really not doing <laughs> Superman and Lois? 
You know it well. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll watch the episode. It's a surprise. It's a surprise. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Stay tuned to find out. Come back in minutes of our time. Who wins in this battle of life or death? Of course, you can reach us at ladieswgumption at gmail.com, ladieswgumption.tumber.com. And until next week, fare thee well. Bye. Bye.